Welcome to the Doing Good Business Podcast, designed to bring out the best in you and your organization. I'm Laura Heacock, a leadership coach on a mission to create a culture where business is the true balance of head and heart. I work with leaders and companies on how to leverage my brand of kindness to gain powerful results. And I'm Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business, helping you shift conversations to identify what works and find ways to build on that success with people, planet, and profit in mind. The Doing Good Business Podcast is the place to learn about transformational leadership qualities and purpose-driven business practices that are essential to success in today's modern market. You can make the world a better place through business, and the business case for that starts now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Doing Good Business. Super excited to have you here, as promised, with another powerhouse woman for International Women's Month, Carol Mitchell. Thank you so much for joining us today and share with our listeners who you are in the world. Well, thank you for inviting me. I am a co-founder of Talent Strategy Partners, which we established at the end of 2001. So we've been in business for quite a while. Amazing. Proud of that. And we work in, in developing leaders. And the way we do that is we work with organizations to understand what are the characteristics that they need in leaders in order to drive their business and establish the right culture. So that's the core of our business. And then in 2015, my first book came out. So within, oh, you know, before it was even out, I started to think, oh, I'm an author too. (laughs) So so leadership development advisor, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I am also an author and a researcher in the characteristics that make leaders successful. Mm. Well, Carol, I'm glad you mentioned your first book, and obviously we'll get into your second book too, but Mm -hmm. I, this is Laura, and I am obsessed (laughs) with the title (laughs) of your first book. So for our listeners, Carol's book is Breaking Through Bitch, How Women Can Shatter Stereotypes and Lead Fearlessly. So I spent 20 years in corporate and have definitely been given the bitch label. I now have clients who fear getting the same label. So I'm wondering if you can share more about the true strength that's found in characteristics like empathy and inclusiveness. I mean, Kelly and I, if anyone's ever even like medicine passing, they know that, you know, Kelly and I really believe that those are integral parts of doing good business, but tell us what the research absolutely. showed. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And when I was researching, I wanted to know what, what success, women who lead successfully, what do they have in, in common? Mm-hmm. And I originally built that women's leadership model on those shared characteristics. And what I found, which is why the title is Breaking Through Bitch, and bitch is in, I'm putting air quotes up for anybody mm. who could actually see me, bitch is in, in uh, quotation marks because I wanted people to know it's breaking through that label. Mm-hmm. And, and so what I found is that women led collaboratively and inclusively, mm-hmm. and that included empathy, that included listening, it included being egalitarian. Mm-hmm. And those characteristics, I realized, helped people feel more comfortable with them. Mm-hmm. So 
they had expectations around how a woman should be. Mm-hmm. And those characteristics really helped to feel that that person was being authentic because we have expectations of women having certain characteristics. And then at the same time, they also have characteristics that make them great leaders. At the time that I wrote the book, did the research, wrote the book, I was looking at those characteristics in terms of this is how you break break through bitch, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's sort of, you know, leadership becomes a team effort. You're not acting in a superior way. You're not intimidating people. But what I realized as time went on, it was like, this is not just a nice way to lead. This is not just a way that women lead in order to avoid that title. Mm -hmm. This is really a better way of leading. Mm -hmm. And and you ask, what are the strengths? It it creates trust. It creates a culture of trust when you're leading with empathy and inclusiveness. And it builds connections between you and people as well as among people that are working with you. And it bridges differences because you're able to connect. Mm-hmm. So it, it really allows you to work with a diversity of people. And, you know, it establishes a sense of community. And as you can imagine, all of those things were so critical mm-hmm. during this pandemic for leaders to lead this way. Yeah, I really hear the societal shift. You know, I think back in the day, it was like, oh, women had to embody all of these like traditionally male gender roles of leadership, right? So you have to be, mm-hmm. you know, how you look, how you dress, how you speak, all that stuff. And it sounds like the research is really kind of fleshing out that the shift, you know, it's like talking about how men benefit just as much from feminism as women do, right? Like it's about Absolutely. men can be vulnerable, men can be inclusive, men can be collaborative, men can be air quotes soft. And Kelly and I talk all the time about like, these aren't nice to haves anymore. These are absolute requirements. And it sounds like your research really supports that. That's right. And, you know, living in, you know, I was, I was in a corporate environment, you know, in the eighties, you know, I was, I was a research scientist and watching, really watching the dynamics there is what made me leave science because I really wanted to understand how people how people were successful. And I was interested in organizational psychology and personal psychology. So I went down that path, but I forget what I was going to (laughs) say. Men benefit benefit from feminism, all that. Yes, (laughs) yes, absolutely. And as a woman in the eighties and in the nineties, women were being told in order to demonstrate leadership, Mm -hmm. And the people usually advising them were men, of course. They had in mind characteristics that work for men, right? but they don't work so well for women. Mm-hmm. But they were still evaluating emerging leaders on that scale of male behavior. So even when my first book, when Breaking Through Bitch came out, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I wrote an article about you know, the way to succeed is, you know, lead like a woman, don't lead like a man. Yeah. Right. And they certainly look, if they don't work for women, they certainly like, then we get into the territory of what about non-binary folks? Like what about folks that don't identify as either one of the fixed binaries that we're talking mm-hmm. about? Like these traditional, you know, masculine identified characteristics, like they're, they're doing us a disservice and, and Kelly, I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> well, you know, the whole gender binary 
issue was something again that that I was very aware aware of mm-hmm. um, when I started this research. You know, I started the well, I was doing the research in 1999 for my wow. PhD. That's amazing. And as a consultant, I I was doing leadership work. Mm-hmm. You know, through the 90s, and then for breaking through bitch, I I did a fresh batch of research, mm-hmm. and it, it was all telling me the same thing. Yeah. Well, and I, I want to jump in the way back machine for a little bit too, because I think, you know, when it, I heard what you said about when men were, let's say, welcoming women to the workplace in, in the eighties, right. They were identifying a set of leadership skills that were inherently theirs. Right. And yet women have been leaders in their families, in their communities for generation after generation. And that was the original model for someone, you know, to see a a mother, a woman, you know, again, it was about bringing people together. It was about having that empathy, respecting differences. So it wasn't that it wasn't a proven model. And that kind of leads into like a proven effective model that leads into my question. And because you've done such a great job of, defining for us what this collaborative culture should look like, does look like, what's driving the need today for a more collaborative culture? What made it change? Well, so the reason I think what's good for the goose is good for the gander, and that's (laughs) chapter 11 of Breaking Through Bitch, it's that we are, we had been moving into this phase where companies are perpetually trying to reinvent themselves and to innovate. And in order for you to have an organization that's innovative, you have to have a culture where there's trust, where people are willing to, you know, to try new things and without fear of failure or, and punishment. So you, and, and, and you need to have people feel that their contributions are being heard and welcomed. Mm-hmm. So I think innov- the need to innovate was number one. And by the way, in my, in my literature review, there's a book called The Athena Doctrine. In that book, one of the first things that hit me was empathy was identified as the necessary trait of leaders to drive innovation. Hmm. So, and that book was published, I don't know, in the early, like around maybe 2013. Mm-hmm. So, th- so there's innovation. The second thing is there is an increasing level of diversity in the workforce. And in order to connect people, can you connect and for you to help connect the people across the group, collaborative, inclusive leadership is absolutely necessary. And in order to understand people who are different, you need empathy. And then last but not least, there's this term called the VUCA world. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Yes. And that was already out there before the pandemic. But boy, when the pandemic hit, it just really kicked that into high relief. It sure so, did. right? And in that, 
nothing's settled. You know, I, I think about the VUCA world and, and, and how as a leader do you deal with it? And the, the problem is, as Yoda would say, <laughs> always in motion, the future is. So <laughs> you don't, you, you have to be able to respond in the moment, to be flexible and to, and to have people around you that will help you be flexible. So those are the three things I think has driven the need for collaborative leadership. It really got us over the hump. And I think the shift that is happening now because of the pandemic, I think the pandemic really helped us mm-hmm. move mm-hmm. more, accelerated that movement. I, I agree. Those are three great points. The innovation, the need to include people with diverse perspectives and, and really mm-hmm. being able to respond, to be flexible in the moment. And mm-hmm. certainly a lot of the other models that we were using were not flexible. They did not need to be as flexible, no. really. No. Because the barriers to entry were so high for competition, right? Technology was not changing at the breakneck pace in which it changes now. You know, mm-hmm. I, I still remember when you when we had the Xerox machine, it lasted for a long time. You weren't just swapping it out. You know, it was something mm-hmm. that it was an, an, an asset, right? The, that companies held on to for as long as they could because right. the model wasn't coming out six months later. Yeah, and the hierarchical model, the model of leadership and organization, it's really all built on a manufacturing yes. kind of business business environment. And you're driving for consistency and stability. So when you're doing that, and I have a culture model that I share in my second book to help talk about those issues around culture and what you're trying to achieve, but it also helps you understand what the culture was before and why there is this shift toward collaborative culture. That's brilliant to share that. Brilliant. So I'm thinking about, you know, when I think about these terms like empathy and inclusiveness and, you know, I think of like women, female identifying, you know, probably non-binary folks also really adapting and adopting these pretty openly. Right. Yeah. What have you found with men, what are some ways that you can teach men who maybe have that more traditional style of leadership? How can they be better allies? How can they adopt some of these air quote feminized characteristics in their leadership? Do you have any, you got any secrets for us, Carol? <laughs> this is where Laura is my twin separated at birth in several years because I was thinking the same thing. What's the secret sauce? In uh-huh. the- well, you know, I come out of a background that developed the concept of emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Right. So I worked at Hay, where, and you know, Hay McBurr, where competencies were focused, understanding what behaviors made people successful, and out of that work came emotional intelligence and. There are a lot of companies for years who have used their assessment instrument Mm -hmm. to help leaders, well, help to assess leaders and tell them where their strengths and development needs are around emotional intelligence. The tricky bit that you raise is how do you teach? Mm -hmm. How do you teach this? Mm -hmm. And when you say, how how do you teach them to embrace? I would say... Just like, just like anything, you've got to want 
to do it. You have to want to change. Yep. And I think more and more, one of the influences is that men and women can see, they can see what needs to be done in leadership and who's successful. And more and more, those successful leaders are collaborative leaders. Mm. It's, I mean, it's true that if you, you know, if you look across the Fortune 500, hmm. the the predominant leadership style is still quite traditional. Mm-hmm. But again, I really believe there's a shift. I think that men, once they realize that this is really the best way to lead, and it's, you know, yeah, there's the, there are the business reasons. I would say there are also the reasons that came up with me too. Me too really pointed mm-hmm. out how wonky gender dynamics were in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And and then there's this whole fear about, well, how do we relate to one another? You know, the kind of fear around that. And I would say that being collaborative, being inclusive, being empathetic also addresses those issues for men. If they want to be able to be effective leaders and have good professional relationships with women, the way to do it is to be a collaborative leader. Mm. Like what you're hearing on the Doing Good Business podcast? Then you'll love working with Laura or Kelly. Visit doinggoodbusiness.com forward slash the host to learn about them and how their services can help you do good business. Do you find that they're open? Like, you know, on a whole, if you had to say, like, do you find that there's an openness from, you know, like I always think Mm -hmm. about there's a 2015 study that found like there are more CEOs named John than female CEOs in the Fortune 500. Yeah. So, and that was recent history, but still six years ago, a lot has happened. Are you finding that men who are in those traditional leadership styles being more open to things like what you're talking about? So I'm looking for um, hope, really. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And, and I'm thinking, okay, do I respond to this emotional cry for (laughs) reinforcement? No, I I want the data. I really genuinely do, but I'm I'm hopeful that the data is saying yes, but I want to know. Well, I, I would say, you know, in full disclosure, I am not an executive coach. Mm -hmm. I do have a lot of colleagues who are, Mm -hmm. and And in fact, when I was writing Collaboration Code and working on my research and working on the model, I had like a board, a review Mm -hmm. board of Mm -hmm. men who were coaches, some who were, you know, business strategy people, you know, in in corporate, whatever. Mm -hmm. But, But I don't see a lot of men who are leading in that traditional model. You know, my interactions, I'm living in this wonderful bubble right now. Mm -hmm. The men who are coaching men Mm -hmm. have said that it's not, it's not a lack of willingness. They, there's a willingness, but some men think that they are being collaborative when they really, when they're not, you know, they're, they're doing some things, but then they're doing other things that negate it. Yeah. And, and then there are some men that just, you know, that they, they have trouble. They know that they're not leading collaboratively, but they have trouble trying to change their behavior. Mm. And, you know, if you think about it, behavioral change 
I mean, that's, that's That's something Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. I mean, that's something that I think really, really takes therapy. It, and, and I think one of the things I found about these collaborative male leaders in my research was that they were self-aware. And I think self-awareness is something that you really gain if you have therapy, if you go through therapy, you know, I'm trained as a therapist, like the first part of my graduate school program. So I, I, I developed such a self-awareness because of that program, you know, and then, you know, if you're going to be a therapist, you also have to have a therapist. So I've been through therapy. I learned so much that I would not have learned otherwise. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I would say going to graduate school for psychology, it just, you know, really opens up that door. My husband, who is a immunologist by background, he he says that graduate school did that for him, even though he was in the sciences. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's, you know, I mean, you get this doctor of philosophy, mm-hmm. right? Right. Degree. And there's a reason for that because you really get into deep concepts, which just forced you to have more awareness of yourself. Hmm. So it sounds as if this is Kelly, it sounds as if, and I, I talk about this a lot in my work, like if we could find some natural next steps for people, right? Because behavior change is hard, this self-awareness. And it made me yes. think about Laura and I are so fortunate to talk to so many people who are doing good business. They really have embraced the idea that a concern for people and planet can coexist with an ambition for profit. Right. And yet we come from this historically, you know, profit driven mindset. In fact, you know, baked into that then is this idea of competition and all that that evokes in in our personalities, in our actions. And today, even you still hear so much about crushing the competition. And I'm like, really? Do we have to crush the competition? But that's just me. And, but it makes me wonder how can leaders, and I'm just calling this one out as one example, how can leaders try to find, male leaders, find this balance between what I can only imagine in the back of their head, they're being told, but this is the way to do it. This is the way you were taught. This is the way your father was taught, right? Like, And hey, it's this new collaborative environment, right? We've got new paradigm shifts, new power shifts, right? If the times they have a changed already, and that won't be as helpful. So how can they strike that balance between demonstrating their concern for people and planet and still having this ambition for and achieving profit? Because we say it all the time, if the company is not profitable, you can do very little good for anyone. <laughs> so absolutely advocate for that. I, I've got so many thoughts flying in my head around that. And yeah, I wish I could like write them down really fast, but take a moment. It's okay. Yeah. The the, I mean, what I have learned is that successful women leading the men, a lot of the men who I interview collaborate, who collaborative leaders, instead of sort of painting this other, you know, like we have to beat the competition as a person, I've seen them, they're competing with their, with themselves Okay. They're trying to beat their best. Awesome. And that is that is a way that they channel their competitiveness. And the other is that 
you absolutely can drive the organization to be profitable. And instead of it being about destroying or crushing the competition, right? it's really about this is our this is our purpose as an organization. This is our mission as an organization, and make that very central. And people are striving toward that. If people are striving toward that in a coordinated fashion, they feel like they, you know, their their work has meaning. They they understand how they connect to it. That that is a driver. Mm-hmm. So, right? If you can. It is focus on that purpose. And Um, I think you you hit the nail on the head with in a coordinated fashion, right? That's the role of the leader, hence the collaboration, hence the empathy, right? It's about, you know, getting everyone to row the boat in the same direction, still holding that greater vision, right? And having everybody. So it's just, it's a lane change, right? It's not get off the highway and relearn everything you've ever done. It's, it's a lane change and just say, this is, this is what's more. Okay. I, right. And, thank you, and when <laughs> oh, you're welcome. And when you are a collaborative leader, if you if you think about it, the the whole paradigm about the super ego leaders, mm-hmm. you know, who are the face of their organization success right. and all of that. Everything yeah. is when 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 you've got someone like that, people are driving around to, you know, focused on that ego. When you take ego out of the equation and instead you're talking about a purpose mm-hmm. to drive you, I think that that makes all the difference. And I think if you take care of the culture, your culture and your people, the, you know, the, the results follow. And I personally, you know, I think that when you look at the health of the culture and the people, that that really is a leading indicator. Whereas looking at financials are a lagging indicator that just tells you, mm. you know, what happened uh, before. Right. So yes. I think you can have a much better handle on driving great business results. If you're focused on people and culture, making sure people know how you're personally connected to the mission and the purpose and help them understand how they are. I love that as a metric, you know, looking at the, how people are feeling. And, and now Laura, I will stop talking. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I was literally just writing that down. Cause I feel like that was a mic drop. Like looking at the people yeah. is a leading indicator and looking at the financials is a lagging indicator. I mean, that oh, is absolutely. Just genius because yes. you're and right. Like we can only see how far we've come or not come when we look at the finances. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the people that's forward leaning, that's yeah. looking forward. That's what you can have next. Yeah. And, Mm. you know, I don't know if in your travels, you've heard of the balance scorecard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that one of the things in working with organizations around performance management, managing the performance and goals and all of that stuff, really, the balance scorecard can serve very well to help leaders understand, Mm. you know, those four quadrants and the fact that the financials are really, Mm -hmm. I mean, they, I mean, you can make goals, but so how are you going to reach those? Mm -hmm. You're only going to reach them if you pay attention to the other quadrants. Hmm. 
I love that. Uh, I know our listeners are going to love that. I oh, mean, good. Yeah. It's really, and, you know, transformative when you're thinking about strategy. I agree with Laura. Yeah. With complete mic drop there. Thank you, Carol, because that's a shift. That's a fundamental shift in how people might be thinking about it. Just one of the many good things that's coming out of your work around the collaboration code, the, the second book, which we, <laughs> you know, I just yes. think it's good for everyone. And ultimately, isn't that where we're headed, right? It's all good yes. for everyone. Right. And being able to make the business case for it is, as you know, is very important. You know, we've talent strategy partners, you know, we do work around organizational culture and helping organizations understand where they are, where they need to be and how they can make a shift in the right direction. Right. And, but we focus on this model that allows us to describe culture and it's in it's in collaboration code we describe culture in business terms you know mm-hmm. it's not like well there's the blue culture and there's the yellow culture mm-hmm. or right the eagles and the you know what i mean the right. various models yeah. or personality models and whatnot and to be able to talk about culture in business language like how it translates is key to helping move business leaders to that soft side, if you will, mm-hmm. understanding those kinds of goals and 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 metrics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, you have to speak to people in a language they understand, and yes, that's what I hear you doing in in the collaboration code. And you know, I'm curious as we kind of wind down today. Like we've heard so many traits of you know leaders that are effective and impactful, and you know, leading organizations that are part of the solution, not part of the problem. Are there some, some steps that you would leave with folks to, you know, we talked about self-awareness a bit, but if people do want to be more collaborative leaders, maybe they have some, some blind spots they're not aware of. What are some things that you would offer to listeners to move closer to the kind of leader that we've been talking about? So I think that if you've got, you know, as the men's leadership blueprint that is in collaboration code mm-hmm. identifies these characteristics, you know, the tempering ego, empathy, listening, respecting all those are real personal efficacy mm. competencies. Yeah. And then once you have that, you're able to drive mission and meaningfulness, which is another organizational leadership characteristic, Mm -hmm. cultivating shared accountability and developing future leaders. And so if you have, if you have spelled out for you, these characteristics, then the next step is to be working on them. Mm -hmm. How to be how, how are you more empathetic? Well, you listen, you know, try listening first, talking later, (laughs) ask questions to clarify. So you understand where the person is coming from. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Mm -hmm. You can't make assumptions that people are thinking the same thing you are Hmm. and you don't necessarily know how they feel. So you need to ask questions. So that's something I think is important. And, and the other thing is if you're a leader You need to tell people, the people that report to you, the people around you, what you're trying to achieve, and then ask them for feedback. Ask them, "Um, do you think I'm doing this? Or, you know, I'm doing things this way and 
how does that make you feel like, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think that sort of back and forth and getting feedback is critical. So many leaders are shielded from feedback and I think they need to, and and it's going to take a while for them to get comfortable because right, you work your way up the ladder and Mm -hmm. you get further and further away from hearing an honest word about how you're doing. Yeah. So, so I think think it's a two pronged approach, right? Being comfortable to ask for it. And then, the work I do, we have something called feed forward, you know, tell me what resonated with you, tell me what you noticed, and any suggestions you have for improving it, right. So that's a really nice way I find to to ask for that. And thank you for setting us up for the show that will be after yours, because we have someone <laughs> who's coming on to talk about receiving feedback, right. So you've got to ask for it, and then you've got to be able to receive it in a way that generates, you know, a benefit or an outcome or an improved condition. So thanks, Carol, for Um, (laughs) for leading us right into that. Yes. And, and suspecting who that next guest is, (laughs) I have, I have learned so much from him around feed. I mean, he's a wonderful, wonderful coach. And, you know, I, I, I really value his perspective and, just being able to structure things so that I could hear feedback and and you know improve and improve myself. So he's a okay. fabulous person to talk to about getting feedback. Well, good. And now we'll leave that little air of mystery for our <laughs> <laughs> Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. So Carol, we've talked about your books, Collaboration Code, Breaking Through Bitch. Tell us what you are excited about. Where can people find you? How do they pick up the books so that they can learn even more about all of these leadership traits and how to adopt them? Sure. So you can buy both books and anywhere. And, you know, and Collaboration Code is is brand new, but it's out there anyway, everywhere the books are sold. And you can contact me probably most easily is to go to my author website, which is carolvalonemitchell.com, where I, I mean, there's information about the book. You can click on a link that takes you to various links to buy the book. There are also, there's a blog in there with articles that I've written over the years about, about both books. So that's great. Yeah. And what I'm excited about, I'm excited that I now have, I now have this gender balance (laughs) for Mm -hmm. myself, but also to be able to offer clients a perspective on how to build collaborative leaders and how that may differ slightly by gender because of the stereotypes that we have. And, and I like to, I like being able to bring that to the equation and to include men in the discussion about, you know, helping women advance and diversifying leadership. Yeah. And I think that's it. Like it's the stereotypes. It's not the gender male, female, that's right. Non-binary. Like it doesn't matter. It's, it's the stereotypes that we all carry. So thank you for doing work that, that busts them right out and like gets rid of them. (laughs) Well, it's just, yes, Laura. Yeah. 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 It just calls, it just calls them out and people, people still tiptoe around it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have to be, I have to frame things so that people don't feel threatened by them. You know, like men need to do this. Well, you know, that's scary. Or 
well, who says that I'm not collaborative? You know? mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> we're talking about the stereotype, you yeah. know, the st- right, right. D- don't, don't wig out on me. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> be open-minded. Be self-aware. All of us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And be willing to listen to the feedback, right? So <laughs> it, yes, definitely. Really. I can't say enough about listening and asking questions yeah. and it does take courage mm-hmm. after all, because mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of scary to put yourself out there and leave yourself open to hearing something you may mm-hmm. find really difficult to hear, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, Carol, we will link to your author website and all the good things in our show notes so folks can easily find you. Thank you so much for being with us and oh, for sharing you. your work and for, you know, helping people lead in a way that really is, you know, doing good business. Exactly. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Doing Good Business. We hope you'll tune in regularly, leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter, and most importantly, tell a friend or a few. It's how we can build the critical mass to make the world a better place through business. The Doing Good Business podcast is brought to you by Laura Heacock of Laura Heacock Consulting and Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business. Learn how you can work with us at doinggoodbusiness.com slash the hosts. Let us know what you like about the podcast and what else you'd like to hear about through our online form on the contact page of doinggoodbusiness.com. We'll see you next time.